Hello, and welcome back to the Sidekick Critic Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Crosby, and I am delighted to be here with you for another edition of this film and entertainment industry podcast. So it's been about a month since I last recorded and a couple weeks since I uploaded that episode. Um, So I have a lot to talk about. I have pretty much the entire month of June to talk about, um, and I'm really excited about it because it was a busy month of movies of June for me. Um, I'm going to start by just kind of recapping this whole podcast thing. Because uh, I started, I believe, in February. So it's been just about five months I've been doing this now. I believe this episode is going to be my 14th episode overall. And it's been interesting for me. I really enjoy it. Let me start by saying that. Uh, what, As I've talked about before, this hobby of watching movies as much as possible, whether it's going to movies or watching movies at home began for me a couple of years ago and it has slowly evolved more and more to where I watch movies constantly now. That hobby was just becoming so prevalent in my life that I felt the need to talk about it and I wanted to talk about the movies more so I decided why not start a podcast and I've had tons of people ask me why did you start a podcast and it's no reason other than it's just a hobby. I had one hobby and it spawned another. And it's been very interesting for me trying to balance that as anyone that knows me knows if I get interested in something, I throw myself into it fully. And right now this has been kind of difficult because this is really movies is the hobby and it's two different activities centered around it. So where there were a couple months where I was only watching new releases, not really watching movies at home, but I was posting an episode every week. The last couple months, it's been I'm constantly watching movies. I've I watched 15 movies at home in June, and only posted one episode. So I'm still trying to find that balance. Uh, I thoroughly enjoy it, and I thoroughly enjoy talking about these movies and talking about the new releases and the fact that it gets me motivated to go see a bunch of new releases. I've mentioned how my goal for this year was to see 52 new releases. Already, I believe I'm at 33 new releases, maybe 34 now on the year. So halfway through the year, I'm on track to well exceed that goal. I know there's probably five movies minimum I plan on seeing in July. I saw eight movies in June. So that goal is going really well. And I'm also starting to cross off a bunch of movies I've been wanting to watch for years at home. In June alone, I crossed out some really big movies, some I've heard of that I've always wanted to watch and some I hadn't heard of. Uh, An iconic movie, Goodfellas. One of the definitive gangster movies, uh, Ray Liotta, Joe Pesci, Robert De Niro, a fantastic movie. Uh, Absolutely loved it. So happy I finally watched it. Can't believe it took me so long. And that put me on a whole crime gangster movie kick that I've been working through lately. There was American Hustle, starring Christian Bale, Amy Adams, Bradley Cooper, uh, a well-nominated movie at the Academy Awards. I believe it won a couple awards. Uh, Critically acclaimed, another good crime kind of heist con type movie that I thoroughly enjoyed. I also watched Dial's Buyers Club, an iconic Matthew McConaughey performance. Room, starring Brie Larson, which literally had my heart rate jump 30 beats per minute because it was so intense. It's a fantastic thriller. I highly recommend it. I watched a bunch of DC movies to get ready for the release of Flash. 
I rewatched movies that I've seen before, Limitless. I've seen it countless times, but I love it because I love Bradley Cooper. I think he's a great actor. I watched one of the best sci-fi action movies I've ever seen in Edge of Tomorrow, starring Tom Cruise, Emily Blunt. Uh, Emily Blunt's incredible, a great action movie actress. Uh, I, it's one of the best action movies I see, I've seen. A uh, plot idea that's not necessarily unique, but they put their own spin on it and just do such a good job with it. The uh, aliens are memorable. It was just a fantastic movie. I don't think they'll ever do a sequel, but it's one of the few action movies I've seen where I'm like, okay, I'd be happy for a sequel of this because it was done so well. And because, I mean, uh, my gripes with who he is outside of the film screen aside, Tom Cruise is the king of action movies in today's day and age. He just... He's typically a producer in his movies, and he really knows how to produce an action movie. Uh, that's just a portion of the movies I've watched at home in the past month. Like I said, I also saw eight new releases in the past month. I'm just going to run through them quick. I was able to get into the theater see Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, The Machine, About My Father, Elemental, No Hard Feelings, Asteroid City, The Flash, and Past Lives. Uh, eight releases in a month is pretty good for me. That's going twice a week. And I still miss some movies. There was a bunch that I wanted to see that I just couldn't find the time for. So my movie watching aspect of this is going really well, all things considered. I just need to really try to stick out the podcasting aspect. It's I, I fall into this weird rut where I've never been a big social media person. I don't post very often. And even though I want to post for the show, I just never get around to it because I'm not on social media that much. And because I'm not posting, I feel, oh, I can't record an episode because I don't have any content that I've been posting. But then at the same time, I'm like, I'm not posting because I'm not recording an episode. So I'm still trying to figure out that balance. Uh, I'm happier along with me for this journey as I slowly figure it out. I'm enjoying the ride nonetheless. It's so much fun being able to talk about all these movies. And today we're going to talk about a bunch of new releases. That's the focus today. New releases in June. Very excited about it. So as I said, I saw eight new releases. I'm going to be talking about six of them today. Uh, and we're just going to start. It's going to, I'm going to talk about four of them rapid fire before I dive into two in depth. Uh, let's dive right in. My one minute review for The Machine. This movie was exactly what I expected. It's, uh, if you know Burt Kreischer, the comedian, his most iconic bit is the story of his uh, summer abroad in Russia and the story, The Machine. He got approached by some producers, maybe he produced it himself, I'm not positive off the top of my head, uh, and they turned it into a movie. I mean, it's exactly what you expect. There's a bunch of really dumb physical humor to it. It's stupid, it's ridiculous, but... I, I know what I'm going for with that. If you're a Burt Kreischer fan, go see this movie. Watch it when it's available at home. You don't need to see it in theaters, I don't think, but you should watch it if you like Burt Kreischer. If you don't like Burt Kreischer, or if you're not a fan of physical comedy, it's probably not for you. Not the funniest movie I've seen this year. Not by a long shot, honestly, but funny nonetheless. The Machine's getting a 6 out of 10 for me. Even score right in the middle of the pack for movies I've seen this year. All right. Rolling right ahead, my one-minute review for About My Father. 
This movie actually exceeded my expectations. I was actually not looking forward to it. I didn't really want to go to the movies much that night, but I figured why not? I need to cross movies off. This is what I do. I watch new movies and I tell people about them. So I went to the theater and I was surprised. It was funnier than I expected. It had a lot more heart than I expected. Uh, It's the story of Sebastian Mansacalco and his father and fitting in with his fiance's uh, wife. It's a theme I've been seeing in movies quite a bit this year of uh, immigrants and their story and telling that story, which I'm a huge fan of seeing these stories and seeing this perspective on life that I don't have. Like I said, very funny. Uh, just feel good, but still not the best comment of the year. Uh, 6.8 out of 10. Okay, moving on. My one-minute review for No Hard Feelings. We have finally arrived to my favorite comedy of the year so far. Uh, starring Jennifer Lawrence in a very different role than you typically see her in. This movie was hilarious. Uh, It's being marketed as this summer raunchy rom-com when in actuality it's this uh, coming-of-age story that has more heart than I expected that is centered around a very comical circumstance. This theater, the theater was cracking up at this movie. We all had a great time. I, if you're looking for a Friday night comedy, this is your top option right now, I think. Jennifer Lawrence is great in it. She, I want to see more comedic roles for her. She has great comedic timing. I think it's worth checking out in theaters, but it'll probably be available on demand within a month or two. So either way, you should watch it in contention for the best comedy of the year in 2023. I'm going to give No Hard Feelings a 7.5 out of 10, my highest comedy so far this year. All right. So, next we're on to Pixar. My one-minute review for Elemental. This movie is hard to kind of sum up for me because while I did enjoy it and I think it's a solid film, I think there are better movies out there, better animated movies that I'd rather watch. It has kind of the world-building aspect you got from Zootopia. It has an animation style that really reminds myself and my fiancé of Inside Out. So... When comparing to movies like that, this doesn't hold up because Inside Out and Zootopia are a couple of the best movies, animated movies of the last decade. That aside, it's a really heartfelt story. Yet another story of a second generation immigrant struggling with their parents' expectations of them. Solid movie, didn't blow me away, not super memorable. I would say wait till it's out on Disney Plus in probably two to three months and watch it at home and you won't regret it. You will enjoy your time with it. Elemental, 6.4 out of 10 for me. All right. So that's my rapid fire one minute reviews for today. That's four of the six movies I want to talk about. Uh, None of those really blew me away. The highest being No Hard Feelings at a 7.5 out of 10. Uh, No Hard Feelings, probably the only one I would say is worth watching in theaters out of those. Uh, because there's just something fun about being in a theater, watching a comedy movie, and laughing along with the rest of the crowd, I think. Uh, it makes everything funnier. When you start laughing at a joke, but then you hear someone two aisles in front of you cracking up at the joke, you're going to laugh a little bit harder. It makes the movie a little bit funnier. So if you're in the mood for comedy, 
at the theaters one night. No Hard Feelings is your best bet as of right now. Um, the Machine About My Father, watch at home movies on a rainy Sunday when you have nothing better to do and can't decide what to watch. Elemental, if you're a fan of animated movies, check it out eventually. No rush on it, though. It's It just wasn't that memorable to me for some reason. Okay, I've done my one-minute reviews for those four. Then I summed them up all over again because I just enjoy talking about them. Uh, even if I don't really enjoy a movie or if it doesn't blow me away, I'm going to enjoy talking about it. It's just who I am, so I kind of go in circles around here, but nothing wrong with that. That's my brand, I guess, just talking in circles. Uh, the next two movies I want to talk about are the two comic book releases uh, from the month of June. We have the great and the bad. We're going to start with the bad. Um, going right into it, my one-minute review for The Flash. Unless you are the biggest fan of The Flash in the world, pass on this movie. Don't go see it in theaters. Don't spend your money on it. Wait until it's out on HBO Max in two months. Uh, it was just a letdown. It has this level of absurdity that's not enjoyable. I was laughing I was laughing at what the movie was trying to do more than I was laughing at the actual jokes in the movie. I don't know. I I simultaneously went in with rock bottom expectations but high hopes for this movie. And honestly, DC Extended Universe is going out the same way it came in, just on a whimper, not on a strong note. So 4.0 out of 10 for The Flash, towards the bottom of my list of movies on the year, just... I don't know. It wasn't it. Pass on seeing it in theaters. Wait to watch it at home without a doubt. All right. Let's dive into what I talked about there a little bit. Um, One big thing is the absurdity of it. It was just ridiculous. I mean, it set up these absurd stakes. Uh, Even from the very get-go, there's a baby falling out out of a building. If that's not tragic enough and enough of a reason to save the baby... Then a block of knives spills and there are now knives flying at the baby while it's flying out of the building. I mean, it is just, I I don't know how tongue in cheek it is. At times it seemed like the movie understands it's this whole thing is a joke. DC's about to be wrapped up. But at other times it's like, you could tell it was almost trying too hard. It just wasn't what I wanted from it. Um, my other problem is I, I don't love Ezra Miller as Barry Allen. Um, I, it's the Barry Allen he portrays is an incredibly awkward person, not confident. And Ezra Miller, of course, off screen, there's been a ton of issues with him. And to have that be your leading character in a film, twice over, because there are two flashes in this movie just turned me off to it even more. I didn't need him twice. He, His character doesn't have enough charisma to carry a movie on its own. To have two of him, somehow it detracts from the movie even further. Doesn't, doesn't mean less charisma plus less charisma equals more charisma. It just means it's even less. So, didn't enjoy that. Michael Keaton's Batman was decent. It was a different spin on Batman, which I liked. But it just wasn't it. Uh, there was one other thing I kind of want to talk about in depth with The Flash, which is the CGI, CGI animation of it. So aspects of the CGI were great. Other aspects were terrible. 
The great is the concept that they created for showcasing uh, the abilities of the Flash. It goes into this slow-mo stretch screen that I think if DC were to reboot or rehash the Flash in a couple of years from now, I think they have a great groundwork for that and they should keep that style and that concept. I think they need to change the Barry Allen character and the final third of this movie was a CGI mess. It was just really took me out of the movie, was not grounded in the least bit, was over the top, ridiculous. And I I think I'm going to kind of transition here because that touches on a much bigger problem I see with the DC Extended Universe. So... As I mentioned, uh, The Flash signals a wrap on this iteration of the DC Extended Universe, according to sources. Uh, James Gunn is taking over and is the head of DC Studio from this point on uh, with Blue Beetle. That'll be the first movie that he's been at the helm for. Uh, This has been quite a ride for DC. I mean, it's been all over the place, and as... I mentioned I rewatched a few DC movies leading up to The Flash to kind of prepare myself for that. I actually, in the past three months, uh, I've went ahead and watched all a version of all 13 DC Extended Universe movies. Um, and to me, at least, I figured out what my problem is with those movies. The DC Universe thrives when it focuses on the characters and the character stories. Uh, Where it fails is they constantly create these superficial, cataclysmic, existential world-ending threats. That is just unnecessary. Uh, The Flash is one of those where I wanted a story about Barry Allen and the Flash. Doesn't need to be an origin story, but I wanted his story and instead I got this world-ending event that only the Flash can save or only the Flash is around to save, which just isn't necessary. And when you look at Of course, obviously, it's hard to criticize DC without comparing it to Marvel, so I'm going to do that, where some of my favorite Marvel movies don't have those world-ending threats. Iron Man 2 is one that I've always loved, and a lot of people dislike it, and I couldn't figure out why I loved it, and there's some jokes that haven't aged well, some CGI hasn't aged great, regardless of that, I like that the story focuses on, one, Tony's struggles with his own character flaws as he's trying to adjust, address these and be a better man. And then two, the villain, Ivan Venko, uh, not motivated to take over the world, to destroy the world, to destroy Earth, America, whatever it is. He's motivated solely by revenge against Tony Stark, which causes Tony to really address some things about him, about himself. Guardians Volume 3 is another one of these movies that doesn't have this world-ending event. It's about the Guardians wanting to save their friend. And there's a guy who wants to stop them from saving their friend. It's We don't need these massive world-ending events constantly. I, I think those are better served when they're saved for the bigger movies. Look at Phase 1 of Marvel. They didn't have a world-ending event until The Avengers. Two Iron Man films, Thor, Captain America, none of those were world-ending. You could argue about the first Captain America, but that was set as kind of more of a period piece set within World War II, so I don't think that's world-ending, where right from the get with the DC Extended Universe, Man of Steel, world-ending. The first Suicide Squad, world-ending. I did some counting because I was curious. Of the 11 
of the 32 Marvel movies I considered, 11 of them have what I called world-ending events. Of the 13 DC Extended Universe movies, 9 of them have world-ending events. That ratio, it's far too much. It doesn't make it feel earned. The villains don't feel good in the least bit. I, I needed more out of those. And I'm going to give my ranking shortly here for the DC movies. And what I'm really going to talk touch on as I get to the higher ranked movies is the fact that DC does a great job when it explores its characters. And if you look outside of the extended universe, I can't remember right now what the term for it is, but you have... The Batman movie starring Robert Pattinson and you have The Joker starring Joaquin Phoenix. Those two movies were great and the best we've seen at a DC in a decade because it focuses on the characters and their journey and what they're going through. So I, I think that's what DC really needs to do going forward. You'll get to the point where you have a big Justice League movie and a world-ending event, but for now, tell us a character story. Don't tell us how yet another superhero saves the world from the world ending yet again and life goes on around it while they're saving the world constantly. How is everyone not in fear? How is it not anarchy? You need to ground yourselves more in the world just to make the movies better. So, 13 DC Extended Universe movies. I finally watched all of them. I just finished the last one today. Uh, So let's go through and rank these. Coming in last place, uh, Suicide Squad, the first one starring Will Smith and Margot Robbie, Cara Delevingne, 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 whatever it may be, uh, not it, just not really enjoyable, an absurd uh, premise, moving on. In uh, 12th place is The Flash. For all the reasons I talked about before, I think even further because this was... DC's chance to go out on a high note, and they didn't. So 12th place for The Flash. And 11th is Black Adam. Uh, There's one good aspect of that movie, and it was Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate. Uh, Outside of that, The Rock played a Black Adam that was entirely uncharismatic and not enjoyable. So how is that going to be ranked high when your titular character just isn't enjoyable? Uh, In 10th place, Wonder Woman 1984. All you need to know about this movie is Kristen Wiig, as one of the villains at the end, is literally pulled from the movie Cats. Skip it. Uh, All four of those so far, skip. Not worth watching, in my opinion. Uh, Nothing out of them that's worth watching, really. Uh, Into ninth place place is Shazam! Fury of the Gods, the sequel. Uh, Just tried to do exactly what the first Shazam did and didn't do it as well. And once again, world-ending event, not necessary. Uh, in eighth is Batman vs. Superman. This movie could have been much higher. It had a really good structure and bones until, once again, they introduced an unnecessary world-ending event. Uh, obviously, the biggest comparison is Captain America's Civil War. No world-ending event in that. It's just superheroes fighting amongst each other. What happens when there's a massive disagreement that leads to a fight? And discovering that and the characters struggling with that. Batman vs. Superman went off the rails at the end. Could have been great. Wasn't. Eighth place. In seventh place, Man of Steel. Uh, I love Henry Henry Cavill as Clark Kent. Superman, I think he's great. But this movie just didn't do anything remarkable. It was nothing special for me. Uh, 
it is where it is because Superman's such an iconic character and I like seeing him on the big screen. But outside of that, nothing to write home about. Uh, sixth place goes to Aquaman. Uh, the one thing I will say about Aquaman in this iteration of DC is Jason Momoa was perfectly cast. He embodies that role in every sense. I, I love it. I hope somehow he's able to stay on in that role as Aquaman. I'm actually excited for Aquaman 2 in, at the end of this year. As I mentioned that, I just realized I believe Aquaman 2 is a part of this DC Extended Universe, so I'll have to talk about it again one day. Maybe uh, my DC conversation may just kind of vanish until, what is it, I think 2025 when it really resets with Superman Legacy, the first James Gunn helmed movie in his iteration of DC where he's really taking the reins. Okay, in fifth place is Wonder Woman. Starring Gal Gadot, I love a period piece superhero movie. Um, Wonder Woman was really enjoyable. Not as good as the first Captain America, but an enjoyable movie. I think you should watch it. In fourth place is Shazam. Shazam brought something different. Uh, Similar to how Guardians brought something different to Marvel, Shazam did that for DC. Uh, It was a new superhero not many people knew about. It brought in a younger sense of humor, uh, just really was having fun with itself, which I think was a good thing in DC needed. Uh, Top three. We're into my top three movies in the DC Extended Universe. Third place is The Suicide Squad, James Gunn version of Suicide Squad. Movie's a ton of fun, absolutely worth checking out. And then watch The Peacemaker Show on HBO with John Cena. Legitimately hilarious. Uh, Second place, and a big surprise to me, Birds of Prey focuses in heavily on uh, Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. Um, I just enjoyed the story. It wasn't a world-ending event. It was just Harley fighting a bunch of bad guys and getting up to stupid shit as the character of Harley Quinn does. And no Jared Leto Joker, which added bonus for any DC movie that does not have him. And then number one, a massive surprise to me based on everything I've heard about it, is Zack Snyder's Justice League. Note, this was not the version released in theaters. This was Zack Snyder had to leave production due to a family tragedy, and the movie was cut in a way he did not agree with. So years later, his cut comes out on HBO. It's four hours long. It took me multiple sittings to get through it, but very enjoyable. It focused in heavily on Barry Allen and on Cyborg, gave characters room to grow and explore their stories, and it was genuinely just a good comic book movie. It's one of those things where sometimes these movies are superhero movies or blockbuster movies. Sometimes they're comic book movies. Zack Snyder's Justice League is a good comic book movie. And I think you should watch it. I think you should watch it almost as if it's a TV show. Kind of the movie's broken up into parts. Watch it in those parts. Turn it off at each one like it's a show. But it is worth watching. So that's my DC Extended Universe rankings. Uh, I am excited for Aquaman 2. I have no expectations for Blue Beetle. I've seen one trailer for it. Didn't excite me too much. Of course, I'm going to go see it because I'm always going to watch the comic book movies. But we'll see where DC goes. Uh, I, I think James Gunn knows how to write a really good character story. And I, I think his imprint on DC will be huge for what are truly iconic characters and should be better explored and deserve justice on the big screen. Justice League on the big screen. (laughs) Um, 
that was a bad joke. Okay, moving on. The last movie I want to talk about today. Here is my one-minute review for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. We have it so far a strong, strong contender for my number one movie of the year. This movie was incredible. Uh, it did everything a sequel should should do. It elevated the first movie. It improved upon it. Animation is gorgeous. The story was spectacular. I Not a single thing I didn't love about this movie, really. I saw it twice in theaters because that's such a good time. If you liked the first one, if you're a fan of Spider-Man, if you're just looking for a movie to see, go watch this in theaters. The animation alone makes it 100% worth the price of admission. I saw it twice, like I said. I do not regret that one bit. 9.5 out of 10 on Across the Spider-Verse. Halfway through the year, this is my number one movie so far. You know I have a lot to talk about for this movie as it's my number one in the year so far. So I'm going to dive into a few of the things I touched on in that one minute review. Let's start with the uh, fact that it's a sequel. This movie picks up a few months after Into the Spider-Verse. And obviously there's a few months and there's a little bit of a time jump. But it starts with a added emphasis on Gwen Stacy's story, which I loved. I wanted to see more of these other Spider-Men and Spider-Woman, Spider-People outside of Miles Morales. Uh, it was a great way to start the film. A great backstory, uh, a heartbreaking story for her, realistically. And then we go to Miles, who his story is evolving and changing. And it it really, the story progression made sense. The characters grew while continuing to fight their own character flaws and discover themselves and be the best attempt to be the best version of themselves or fail at it, whatever it may be. Um, interesting villain concept. Uh, it took the term Spider-Verse and blew it out of proportions, which I loved. I mean, there were hundreds of spider, different spider people within this movie. My personal favorite, minor spoiler, not really a spoiler, but my personal favorite was at one point a Spider-Man painted car pulls up. And a little speech bubble pops up that says, Peter parked car. Peter parked car. My favorite bit within the whole movie, I think. Um, but just fantastic. Uh, the Being able to expand, being able to add to the first movie and improve upon it. Uh, I, I love when a sequel is able to do that. And I think Across the Spider-Verse is instantly in the conversation for one of the best sequels across all walks of movies. All right, we touched on the sequel aspect. Let's talk about what I think is the crowning achievement of this movie, the animation. Um, so first thing I want to talk about before I get to my main point here is the different animation styles. When you have hundreds of different spider people and they're all from a different universe and each universe has its own style of animation, that's a tall task to be able to put all that in one movie. Not only are they able to have dozens, hundreds of unique styles of animation for each Spider-Man and have some legacy animations from old comic books or old TV shows, they're able to seamlessly weave these distinct styles together into, a, into the story and it is visually cohesive. It makes sense and it looks really good. Uh, I read some stuff about how hard the animators worked on this movie and how dare they were overworked, which is a shame. And animators and CGI uh, visual effects workers do 
put in a lot of the legwork for these big blockbuster movies and deserve all the credit they can get. It's the product they put out for this film. Animation alone is worth the price of admission to me. I've said it once. I'll say it again. I'll continue saying it. Um, And then there's one aspect of the animation that I absolutely loved. And that is Gwen Stacy's universe. It's this gorgeous watercolor-esque animation where as a scene changes and as it shifts and the tone or emotion of the scene shifts, the color, the background, everything about it shifts with the scene. So you're not just, oftentimes there's the story that makes you feel emotion. There's whatever the visual aspect is. There's the music This is just a color change, a slow evolutionary color change as the scene changes from happy to sad, from sad to ecstatic, that really makes that emotion resonate with you and you can feel it almost reverberate throughout the theater as it goes from dark to this overwhelmingly bright. And you're just like, yes, I can feel this happiness, this joy, this love. And her, along with her animation, her story in this is fantastic it explores these really deep themes on her relationship with her dad in the aftermath of a tragedy and her canon event and it was brilliantly done i i cannot wait to get more gwen stacy in i believe it's called beyond the spider-verse the third film um just so so well done i sony knocked it out of the park with this movie um i have one drawback on it there's only one reason why it wasn't a 10 out of 10 um Fast forward one minute, literally, if you have not seen this movie and intend to and want to avoid spoilers. The movie ends on a very intense cliffhanger. That's the final moments. There's this huge cliffhanger, but rather than just cutting it off a la Infinity War and this moment of darkness and despair, the movie keeps going and you get all this setup for the third movie that I think is unnecessary, not needed, let the movie end with our characters being lost, not knowing what to do next, us not knowing what to do next. Don't give us a scene that says uh, Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse coming soon. Don't have such a hard setup and cliffhanger for the third movie. End it at that darkness, and this movie is one top two sequels of all time. So, okay. Uh... At this point, we're past the spoiler point. We're going to talk about the business end of it a little bit. As you know, I love talking box office, and I have avoided it for these movies I've talked about today till now. Uh, Across the Spider-Verse is a massive critical and financial success for Sony. Uh, did $120 million its opening weekend domestically, which is, I believe, the second largest of the year. It's uh, quickly closing in on the second largest domestic gross of the year as it's climbing and getting closer and closer to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. It's crossed $600 million worldwide so far. It's the fourth highest earning movie worldwide this year so far for an animated movie. Normally that's shocking this year, of course. You have Super Mario Brothers, which is the biggest box office earner of the year. I don't think anything will catch it. Um, but this... Sony has to be ecstatic as this movie continues to earn money. I saw it the second time I saw it, which was the second weekend, admittedly. um, The theater was more full the second weekend than the first. 
yes, it obviously earned more its first week and then it did the second, but there have been a lot of big releases in June, and in the five weekends since this came out, at the domestic off box office, this movie has placed first, its opening, then it went second, third, back to first, and then third place again. That's huge. I mean, when you look at what's come out in that time period, you have Transformers, Elemental, Asteroid City, No Hard Feelings, The Flash, now Indiana Jones. This movie continues, has not dropped below third in a weekend ranking so far. The legs on it are incredible. I don't think it's going to finish in the top three overall this year, but it will certainly be... Top 10, probably top 5. Uh, I think it's going to pass Guardians domestically. I think Guardians is a bit bigger internationally. But, I mean, Sony's got to be thrilled with how this movie's doing. I'm praying they don't mess up the third one. I'm praying the third one is good. I cannot wait for it. I think it's... The third one has the potential to be the best Spider-Man movie we've ever seen. I think Across the Spider-Verse should be in conversation for the best Spider-Man movie we've seen. It hit on... 99 out of 100 notes, without a doubt. I loved it. I 9.5 out of 10, like I said. Go see this movie in theaters. And those are the six releases I want to talk about today. Uh, Machine, About My Father, No Hard Feelings, Elemental, The Flash. Uh, big thumbs down there. And then Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Uh, at some point, I will get to my Wes Anderson movie podcast, uh, I did see Asteroid City. I liked it. Uh, my fiance hated it. So definitely going to have a lot to talk about there. Uh, Past Lives was great. Um, but I'm, I'm slowly working through. I'm getting back into the groove of podcasting again. I really wanted to talk about a lot of these movies. So finally got around to it today. Um, it is July 7th and I'm recording this. I'm really hoping to have this movie uploaded July 8th. This movie. <laughs> I'm hoping to have this episode look. Take a pause. Reset. I'm happy. Didn't work. Did not work. Um, I'm really hoping to have this movie uploaded either Saturday the 8th or Sunday the 9th so that when I go see Mission Impossible Sunday the 9th, very excited, early screening, I can record a new episode, get it upload, uploaded, and let you know what I think about that movie. Um we're closing in on the biggest movie weekend of the year. July 21st, Oppenheimer and Barbie. Must see in theaters. I have not seen them yet. I'm hearing fantastic things about both of them. Oppenheimer, I think, is the one you see first personally because Oppenheimer should be seen in IMAX. I cannot wait to see this on a massive screen. Uh, look at your AMC theaters near you. There's one a little bit further than my closest AMC, it's about 35 minutes away that has recliner seats in the IMAX. So get that massive screen and you get to be comfortable. I cannot wait for that. Um, also excited for Barbie. It's, Barbie is tracking really well. It's looking like it might be, has a chance to be the biggest box office movie this year. We'll see. Um, those are my top two upcoming releases. Like I said, I'm going to see Mission Impossible. Uh, I'm going to see Theater Camp. I'm very excited for a whole bunch of movies. I'm excited for the month of July. It's going to be a good movie month. And I'm excited to keep streaming movies at home. I recently watched, uh, beginning of July, I watched Godfather and Godfather Part 2. That, along with Goodfellas and whatever other classic crime movies I watch, because I've been on a real kick for that lately, are going to get at least half an episode 
to themselves to be talked about because they deserve it. Fantastic. Somehow exceeded the hype that has been set for decades. Um, I'll probably rewatch the most recent Mission Impossible just to get ready for Dead Reckoning Part 1. Yeah. Like I said at the top, follow me on Letterboxd. That's really where... I am constantly posting my movie thoughts and ratings and what I watch. I'm trying to get better about copying those over to Instagram so anyone that follows me there can see what I'm talking about. But if you like movies, uh, Letterboxd is worth having. It's One, it's just fun to go through and rate movies you've seen. Um, if you're a book reader and you have Goodreads, Letterboxd is like Goodreads, but I think it's better. I think the app is less buggy, has a cleaner interface. And it's just fun to go around on. Um, at Sidekick Critic, that's where you can follow me there. Same thing on Instagram and TikTok, at Sidekick, Sidekick Critic, all one word. Hoping to be better on social media as uh, these next few weeks unfold. Hoping to record more, post more, while continuing to watch all the movies I've been watching because I've been loving the amount of movies I've watched. Um, and that's about all I got for you today. So, as always... My name is Andrew Crosby, and thank you for joining me for this episode of the Sidekick Critic Podcast. Mm-hmm.